Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host Jacqueline, and I'm your other host Jane, and we're your favorite podcast all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today we're continuing the Throne of Fire. How you doing today, Jane? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. Relatively excited to talk about these chapters. They were pretty okay. Yeah, definitely. I made some macaroni cheese, and it was tasty. Oh shit, give me the deets on your recipe. <laughs> the re- I mean, the recipe is just like, dump some onions and bacon into a pan, fry them slightly, add flour and butter, stir it, then gradually add milk until it turns into a roux, add a spoonful of mustard, dump in some pasta and stick it in the oven for 25 minutes. Sounds good as hell. It, it was. The fanciest I ever get with mac and cheese is, like, buy a box of mac and cheese, (laughs) put it in pot, stir in some, like, frozen chicken and some mixed vegetables, and, like, do it up with, like, really nice spices. I mean, that's a good good tactic. I only ever, like, buy curry out of the jar. So what I do is I just, like, chop fresh vegetables into it, lemon juice, some spices, and it makes it taste significantly better. God, yeah. Oh god, curry is so good. I miss curry. Do, do you not eat curry anymore? I mean, I do. In fact, I never actually ate curry until I moved into my current housing situation. I, <laughs> I never had it before. Um, but I just haven't had it in like a couple weeks, so I miss it. Curry is the good shit. Yeah. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing okay. I, you know, I accidentally stayed up until 5am reading these chapters, I so I woke know. up a little bit late. <laughs> you know, went to the store, wrote the summaries, and now we're here. <laughs> Speepy. Are, are you ready to go to the land of dreams? You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to the fucking land of dreams. I'm ready to talk about these chapters. Should I summarize? Yes, you should do the summaries. All right. Chapter 17. Carter. Minchikov hires a happy death squad. During their Nile side confrontation, Carter learns that Menshikov is descended from the priests of Amun-Ra that controlled Egypt and opposed Akhenaten. Zia and Dajadin seem a bit confused about Carter's accusations of Apophis collusion, but he and Vlad end up squaring up, and, though he assumes the Horus battle avatar for the first time in months, Carter is nearly overwhelmed by Menshikov's mental domination. He's nearly turned into a snake before Sadie and Walt arrive out of a portal, freeing Bez from his cage and allowing the god to scare away the adult magicians and knock out Zia. They find a truck to the Great Pyramid, and, in his sleep, Carter is asked again by Horus to unite with him and become Pharaoh, instead of waking Ra. But Carter is still against the idea, so Horus tells him that Minchikov also used to want to wake Ra and restore Ma'at, but he was injured by the attempt, and now wants to wake Ra so he can see the god eaten by Apophis in revenge. This ultimately doesn't sway Carter either, so Horus then shows him what's happening at the first gnome. Though Dejardin is slowly coming to realize there's something wrong, Menshikov has already used the opportunity to assemble a squad of murderous magicians, demons, and creatures of Ra that Vlad can control due to his ancestry, all of which he's going to send to take down Brooklyn House, while he personally goes to the Duat to kill the Canes. Chapter 18. Carter. Gambling on Doomsday Eve. When Carter wakes up from his dreams, he finds that Bez, Walt, Sadie, and Zia have all been hanging out and playing board games, apparently. Sadie convinces Zia to hear them out, and they've been getting along well. They're waiting for sunset, which is the only time they're able to use the portal. Also, Sadie put together the Book of Ra while he was asleep. Carter tells them what he saw in his dream, and Zia and Walt agree that saving Ra is important, so they'll go to help at the Battle of Brooklyn House. Carter also finds out about Walt's condition, and he suggests Menshikov might have the cure, you know, from his ancestors and stuff. But Walt shuts him down. The gang head to the Great Pyramid, climb up it, and at the top, while Sadie and Walt are starting up the portal, Zia and Carter have a heart-to-heart, where Zia admits that she needs some time to sort out her feelings. Bez promises to meet up with Sadie and Carter later after he gets Walt and Zia through their portal, and the Canes jump into the Duat. 
Ra's boat is moored for them at the side of the river night, but Nekbet and Bobby are waiting there to ward them away. However, Carter uses the pharaoh power of Ra's crook to command them into swearing their loyalty. Then, they get onto the leaky barge and sail off. Chapter 19. Sadie, the Revenge of Bullwinkle the Moose God Sadie and Carter's trip is a bit difficult. Firstly, the boat is constantly on the verge of breaking down under their feet. Secondly, the boat itself hates Sadie because of all the Isis energy she radiates. Eventually, though, what's up? Sorry. The Isis energy she radiates has taken on uh, a new meaning in our current socio-political climate. <laughs> uh, eventually, though, they calm it down and continue on. Carter suggests that the Houses of Night could loosely follow human sleep patterns, meaning things are going to be boring at first and then get pretty weird later on. Eventually, though, their boat is stopped by a giant ram god's foot, and he says he'll kill them if they can't guess his name. Yes, just like in the first book. Carter recognizes him as Kanum, but he wants to hear his true name, his Rin, which apparently he's forgotten because he's the aspect of Ra that dwells in the underworld, and therefore he hasn't been needed in a long, long time. Sadie realizes because of this that because he's the first god, Ra's absence has been weakening the gods and Ma itself. Therefore, it's absolutely necessary that they wake him up. Sadie then begins reciting the first part of the spell from the Book of Ra, which contains Kanum's secret name, and the god lets them pass with a warning to beware the fires, and to be ready for Ra's second form, because he won't be nearly as grateful. They then begin approaching the Lake of Fire, and although Carter wants to turn around, Sadie realizes that they need to reenact Ra's nightly rebirth by taking the ship through the fire and coming out the other side. She hastily scrawls a fire shield spell onto Carter's forehead, and a slightly worse one on the back of her hand, and then they drop. Sadie grips Carter's hand, using their connection to increase the power of the protective magic, and they eventually rise back up from the burning lake, the sunboat renewed into its former glorious state. Bez greets them at the shoreline, saying they've arrived at the fourth house, the House of Rest, Sunny Acres Assisted Living Community. It's where they'll find Ra, hopefully before Menshikov, who they can see on the horizon, catches up to them. Chapter 20. Sadie. We visit the house of the helpful hippo. Sunny Acres is a giant old folks' home, full of old and forgotten gods. Behind the front counter is a woman that Bez seems to want to avoid, and when the Kane siblings approach, they realize she's like a pregnant-seeming hippo woman. Sadie stops Carter from just staring at her tits, and after he's out of his trance, he says that she's Tawaret, goddess of fertility and childbirth. Apparently, she and Bez used to have a thing. After they explain the plan, she warns them that they're almost out of time. If they fall out of sync with the Sun God's normal voyage, they won't be able to pass through the gates until the next night. When they start the search, Tawaret explains that she's a protector god like Bez. But when she realized the world above didn't need her anymore, she started to take care of the old gods here. While the hippo goddess is distracted, they corner Bez and get all the details in the relationship. Apparently, she's the one who freed him in Russia, and she's always been there for him, but he held a flame for Bast, who didn't reciprocate. Ever since Tawaret helped him out, he can't look at her without thinking about all those bad memories. They're having trouble finding Ra, but Sadie realizes that this is when she needs to start reading the second part of the spell, and the scroll guides them to a room with a decrepit old god, Ra, who they perform the opening of the mouth ceremony on, using the net jerry blade Anubis gave her. Ra wakes up, still old and frail, and Tawaret says they'll need to complete the night's journey to restore him fully. They get back to the lobby, but they find on the floor a silver snake amulet. Minshikov was here, and he wanted to let them know they were too late. The gates to the eighth house, the House of Challenges, had already closed. They would not be able to continue until the next night. They'd lost. So, what'd you think of these chapters, Jane? Man, that was a weird way to end the series. Damn, yeah, like, <laughs> you you really think, like, especially because there are 24 chapters in this book, so, like, I'm guessing that this is going to be like, oh, well, they lost here, but next chapter will be like, oh, but what if they had found him quicker? Maybe this would have happened, like, an entirely, like, AU thing. <laughs> so this is just like the Zelda thing where, for some reason, we get to see the timeline where everything goes wrong. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like... This is the imply. This is like the child ending or whatever, whichever one where Ganon just like takes everything over and mm. like apophases everything. Uh, but in the other one, we'll see the adult timeline, I guess. 
Hell yeah. I'm excited for that to be the next book, I guess. I guess so. Uh, these were these were like fun. These were fun chapters. I, As you were reading the summaries, I remembered more and more of the problems I had with them and would like to downgrade pretty okay to just okay. Because I was mo- I was mostly just thinking of um, chapter eighteen when I said that. Chapter eighteen is the one you like most. Chapter eighteen is yeah, it's the one where it's just uh, Carter, Sadie, and friends fucking around in a hotel room, and then going on a trip to the pyramids. It's a good ass chapter. It's good. It's it's delightful. It's um like, it's what Rick kind of does best with these books, which is just get a bunch of characters we like, put them in like a road trip or like a wacky location and just kind of see what they do. Yeah, as opposed to the other chapters, which are like pretty standard, I guess, for this series. And like, not in a bad way. Like, these are pretty good examples of that. But like, more of the same, you know? Yeah, it's just mostly just like standard Kane Chronicles fare. I guess more of the same to the extent that in one of the chapters it explicitly calls out wait didn't this happen in the previous book too yeah it sure did just like lampshade the fact that they're blatantly repeating themselves at this point and like i guess that's like not bad like it's okay to have repetition in books but it's just like weird that a lampshade was hung on it i guess yeah i mean we we definitely would have complained about it if it wasn't acknowledged as well we would still true pointed that out Actually, would we? I genuinely didn't remember that this had happened in the first book until the the text of this one pointed it out. Yeah, that was not, like, the biggest encounter. And to be honest, I like this one more. Like, I think that Kanome has a lot of personality for, like, what little we see of him. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad. It's been far too long since we have had um, a Rick Ryden character who will bleat when he's speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Grover. <laughs> Grover basically stopped being character after like book what two? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And we just got less and less bleeding every book. I mean, there was more bleeding in like what book five, I guess. Yeah, he comes back for a while in that one. Yeah, and there was like the world's saddest death when that man died. Uh, that there was some bleeding there, I think. God, it'd be so funny if his last words were like, "Tell my family I love them." He bleated. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, these were like largely pretty standard. Actually, um, wait, there was like what's up? one element of these chapters which I did think was kind of weird and out of place. Okay. Which is like there were two distinct moments where I was like, fuck, isn't this a kid's book? Are you allowed to make that okay. joke? Okay. The first one is um, Carter uh, is like talking about Walt and Sadie coming to his rescue. And he says, the only person who got shafted in both arrangements was Walt. And is shafted, like, a turn of phrase that you can, like, use in kids' fiction? Yeah. I, Why wouldn't it be? Because it it literally means dicked. That's the shaft. I don't think most people associate it with that, though. But, but that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I think when people think of shafted, they think of, like, like, oh, they got, they got you know, screwed over. They got, like... Yeah, the screwed is also a euphemism. I guess people use screwed all the time, and it doesn't really have those connotations. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of euphemisms in this world for sex that, like... If I accuse someone of shafting me, I am very explicitly referring to, you have fucked me over. Oh, for sure. (laughs) I feel like this is a bit more of Carter's, like... Carter's, like, kind of dry, like... Not, like... Not his, like, dry humor, but his, like passive aggressive like the dry <laughs> that we talked about when he was like whatever of course like yeah uh what the, was the second thing that the other thing you? is him uh staring at the hippo woman's boobs and having to get like snapped out of it by sadie punching him uh-huh <laughs> yeah because the previous paragraph it's like describing tawaret and it's like and sadie's like oh to put it like to put it gently uh she had a lot up top the the fabric was not doing a good job of covering I was like, well, that's an interesting detail to mention, I guess. Uh, and then I get to like the punchline of it, which is, you know, Carter, teenage boy, boob staring. <laughs> which I mean, look, that that's a that's a funny joke. I'm just like, aren't these for like twelve year olds? I mean, twelve year olds, I guess, know about boob staring, right? That's true. It's also just like given how given how creepy some of the stuff around Zia has read. 
I don't know if I'm <laughs> if I'm a hundred percent on board with Carter staring at this like person he's just met's chest. I guess that's fair. <laughs> I, I I was looking into Tawaret because I was uh-huh. like kind of interested and like apparently just like one of her iconic traits is that she has like what was the the Wikipedia was like pendulous breasts. <laughs> so like this is how this is how all like if you look up statues of her, this is they all look like that. Sans bikini. We'll we'll change Bez a lot to make him like a weird grubby dwarf man with a limousine. But uh Tawarate has to keep the tits. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, Tawarate is like an interesting character. Um I think I think she's a good she's like I'm glad that she got added in because I like her personality, she's charming, and uh it adds a bit more to like Bez. Yeah, definitely. It it kind of resolves another of the slightly annoying mysteries that have been running through this book, which is like who rescued Bez when he was stuck in Magical's palace. Yeah, which like felt like less of a mystery in that sense and more just like a thing that somebody doesn't want to talk about and like True. like oh like hey, can you Jane, can you tell me the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you <laughs> on this podcast right now? God, and it would be it would be put on the fucking podcast as well, because Carter and Sadie are recording all of this. That's right. That's really funny. Do you think they t- have the tape recorder with them when they go on their adventures, just to, like, in case they have a <laughs> quote they want to make sure they get right? <laughs> I mean, they never mention it, but I guess it's possible. I can't believe we've never put... To- we've been bitching about this framing device the whole time. But really, it's just, like, Rick trying to play to his audience by also making his protagonists podcasters. Oh god, you're right. This book is for us, Jane. <laughs> he wrote it for us in the future. Uh, in which case, thank you, Rick, but I hope you kept the gift receipt. <laughs> I, I I, think, I think, I don't know. If somebody wrote me this book for a present, I, I would be happy with it. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm simply being cheekily abrasive. A bit cheeky. A bit cheeky of you. I guess, like, kind of speaking of Zia and Carter's relationship towards her, uh, what do you think of the, like, her seeming to kind of get on their side here? I mean, I was kind of rooting for more, like, more angst, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Because, like, I think I mentioned last episode, what I was predicting was going to happen was, like, Carter was going to get dragged back to the first gnome and Zia would be torn about whether or not to let him get killed. Uh Uh-huh. And this is very much not that. No. But I, I like that, um, despite the fact that we kind of, we're not doing that, uh, we are still getting, like, establishing that this is a different Zia by, like, having her be friends with Sadie. Oh, yeah, I really like that element. Yeah, which also is just nice when we get to have some female characters who are friends. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the night on this one. Yeah, like, there's, like, as much as, like, having her as, like, a kind of torn antagonist would have been interesting, I also like that it's, like, decentering Carter in this way. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, Sadie is the one who, like, convinced Zia to listen to them, and it all happened while Carter was asleep. <laughs> uh, and, like, now they're just playing fucking board games together, which rules. I know we don't do, like, uh, our segment very often anymore because we just don't get a lot of material for these books. Uh-huh. But, look, it's not going to work out with Walt because he's going to fucking die in a few days. Uh-huh. It's not going to work out with Anubis because, you know, he's a thousand-year-old god. Yeah. I think it would be extremely funny if Sadie just kind of swept in there and stole Carter's girl. <laughs> That'd be really fucking funny. <laughs> God, uh, why can't you let women be friends without turning them into your Yuri's? <laughs> uh, people on the internet will say this, but they're wrong. It's true. Women can't be friends without being in love. <laughs> uh, this is also an example of uh, this is uh, for the for the listeners. This is me stoking the fire of any future RPF anyone wants to write of us. <laughs> no, fuck. <laughs> God, sorry, I shouldn't say such curse shit. <laughs> it's fine. This is what I get for the fucking ISIS crack during the summaries. <laughs> that's, that's right. The, that's we the one. That's one. the one that I'll make for this series. Okay. Okay. I mean, 
Okay, I'll I'll pretend that there weren't any others before this. Have I made the ones before this? Oh, I think so. Fuck. <laughs> like, maybe I did. I don't know. Turns out I was Ra all along because my memory is dog shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, Ra's here now. He sure is. Introduced without a lot of ceremony, to be honest. Yeah. And, like, I guess that's okay. I'm, I'm sure the ceremony's gonna going to come later because it seems like sort of a slow, like, oh, the boat's there and it looks like shit. But then, you know, they go through the lake of fire and it's okay after that. It's probably going to be like a similar thing where it's like, oh, Ra's here and he looks like shit. And. <laughs> But, I, guess I just found it kind of weird because I was expecting this to like do like a rule of three where we meet uh-huh. like one aspect of Ra then we meet a different aspect of Ra who's like not the same thing and then we meet like the real deal but it seems like we get the real deal on the second one and then a bug uh I think so like I mean okay I, I love a good scarab <laughs> I think I think actually scarabs are one of like the more the more interesting things in Egyptian mythology because like back in the day people didn't fucking know how beetles worked, right? So they were like, "Oh, this scarab is literally manifesting from nothing." When they saw it like crawl out of a pile of shit. <laughs> Wait, yeah, it wasn't wasn't one of the versions of like how um the sun works in Egyptian mythology. Wasn't it like, "Oh, there's a giant uh beetle that pushes it like it's a ball of shit." Yeah, something like that, basically. <laughs> and, like, that's another aspect of Raw. So I think that's just, like, a really interesting thing for the mythology to have. Mm-hmm. But you're right that, like, it does it does feel kind of, like, unceremonious in a way that, like, it's been very much built up to be. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't dislike it because I'm, I am I know that that moment will come later when, like, I don't know, Raw gets, like, pushed into the fucking lake or whatever after they somehow figure out how to get through the Eighth Gate. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the next chapter is uh, called We Buy Some Time. So okay. I imagine, yeah. They they play uh, some more board games while they wait for the next day to happen. They find Kronos in the duart, pay him to, like, fuck around with time for them. Wait, what if... Okay, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but I could see that being, like, something similar to what happens. Because, like, okay, wait, this is actually an important thing in Egyptian mythology, is, like... I don't remember which god it was. I think it was Thoth. Like, Thoth and... Who was it? Like, um... What was... Okay, sorry. Myth- quick mythology corner. Okay. I think Isis was, like, pregnant, and someone was like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Like, Ra was like, that's fucked up. I'm gonna find you no matter what day it is. No matter which of the 360 days of the year it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got this in Red Pyramid, didn't we? I think we did, and then she gambles with like Thoth to be like, "Hey, I want five more days," and those are the those are the the demon days of the Red Pyramid. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So like maybe they'll find Thoth again. True. I mean, they they even like um, put him back in the reader's head earlier by like talking about, "Oh yeah, Thoth told us that uh, we'd always be able to find a boat because we're blood of the pharaohs." Yeah. So yeah, I can see that being what happens. It'd be interesting. I I do think there's a section in this that's a bit weird. Okay. Which is, um, so we get set up a bit earlier on that, like, Carter and Sadie, uh, like, have an unspoken agreement between them that they, when they find Menchikov, they're going to beat the shit out of him and try and get him to cure Walt. Yeah. Which is a great moment. I love that. It's a really good, like, moment for the two of them. And it, it does strike me as a bit weird that, like, Bez tells them that Menshikov is coming, and they don't consider, like, turning and fighting. Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually kind of true. I guess, like, hmm, the combination of, like, oh, the, like, the time thing, but they don't really have the information about, like, the time limit yet, do they? Yeah, not really. I mean, I'm not saying that they had to do it. I just find it weird that, like, Sadie didn't say, right, let's fucking ambush him. And Carter is like, no, we need to hurry up. We'll deal with him after we've um, reawakened Ra. Yeah, it seems like it at least should have been like considered or mentioned in some yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. Especially because they've got bears right there. They've got like a god backing them up. Uh-huh. Although I guess we've seen how Menshikov handles Bez. Yeah, he handled him by like locking him in a cage and then almost getting killed by Carter. That's true. <laughs> god, yeah. He like, okay... 
Do we want to backtrack a bit to that chapter? Sure. Because we we haven't really touched. We've mostly been in the duat, but we this this place mm-hmm. did not. Th- this was not entirely in the duat. Some of it was uh, on a different river. That's right. <laughs> we were over on the Nile. Uh, Carter and Menshikov, they're fighting. Dejardin is fucking out of his mind on like <laughs> Egyptian weed or something. Uh, and Zia is just like confuzzled. The, like the battle isn't anything much, although it is like an interesting revelation that like he was like Menshikov used to be like a goodie, I guess. Like he used to want to wake up, wake up Raw just like Carter, like building those parallels. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't feel like it really adds much to Menshikov's character to have all this backstory thrown at us. He's still just a bastard. It doesn't really like nuance him or make him any more complex. Not too much. No. Um, because, but I, I don't know. I sort of appreciate it being there because like, I don't know. I like a little bit of dimensionality, my villains, right? Like, even if it's not present in the present time, being like, oh, they used to have a, they used to be good, but now they're bad. That's a bit, that's a bit interesting. I don't know if he even used to be good, though. The way that Horus puts it is that he wanted to reawaken Ra because of his own pride, and he wanted to, like, restore his family as, like, you know, the cool, um, sun priest people who could then, like, continue to curse people with genetic diseases for doing heresy against their god. Well, maybe that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. I guess I was like thinking of it from the view of like, oh, bringing back Ra and restoring Maat or whatever. Like, that's good. Uh-huh. Um, but ultimately, what it does lead to is he he wants to wake up Ra, but this time to fucking kill him. And at least now we know why he wants to do it. I guess because before we didn't have any motivation. Really, like, right? Like that's the thing. That's true. Carter does get the combat avatar again, which is, like, that's a fun moment. It's nice that his, like... It's a nice, subtle bit of, like, power growth for him. But, like, he is escalated to the point where, like, he doesn't need Horus to do this. Yeah, him with, like... Because he's doing all sorts of shit with, like, Ra's crook and flail in these Mm -hmm. chapters. Like, he he uses it to command Neckbet and Bobby, too. Yeah. So Carter is, like, on that pharaoh, like, growth path. (laughs) Yeah. He's 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 grinding. He's rising and grinding. Sigma Pharaoh grind set. That's right. Oh, we do get another peek at uh like a different, you know, Horus is like, well, if you don't want to become Pharaoh with me, look at this thing about Menshikov. And Carter's like, no. And he's like, okay, well, look at this different thing about Menshikov. And then we see uh, a present day thing with Menshikov and like taking Dejardin back to the first gnome and stuff. Uh, we get, we get an interesting, an interesting little, um, okay, so not an episode of the show has gone by without us saying the words like, damn, Rick sure is a liberal, (laughs) uh, sure, like, sure is like a white American liberal, but this, did anything stand out to you about this, this happy death squad that Menchikov has? I mean, I'll be honest, I spent most of this chapter, this part of the chapter being mad that Desjardins has been sidelined and that there's a lot of potential for him as an antagonist, so I can't say anything really jumped out at me. What uh, What's what's bothering you about it? So there's this part where, like, Desjardins is looking across this, like, death squad that uh, fucking Menshikov has compiled of, like, oh, there's demons, and there's, uh, you know, actually this is interesting because, because I think this, um, there are like creatures of raw, and I think this is pretty much like directly saying like, "Oh, it was Menchikov who sent that af- that like weird snake thing after them in the first one." Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's my guess at least because now we know that he can control creatures of raw. Yeah, I, I see, I see that. But there are also some like murderers and criminals of magicians who were exiled, um, and we learned that one of them. Oh fuck! I think- yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> We learned that one of them, well, one of them was exiled to Antarctica, um, which I have to assume just, like, there are no other magicians there or something. She just spends all her day, like, sitting outside of her hut, watching, like, penguins disappear and then reappear. (laughs) Wondering what the fuck's going on with that. (laughs) Wait, I really hope that comes, if that comes up again, this book is officially, like, at least a B+. (laughs) Um... And the other one is, I think, like, a man named Kwai. 
and Desjardin is like, wait, you're, you're a horrible murderer. And because you're a mur- murderer, we exiled you to the gnome in North Korea. <laughs> Which, uh. Which, okay, first of all, <laughs> what? what? Why is there a gnome there? Okay, like, there seem to be gnomes everywhere, but, like, why is that specifically, like, an exile place? Are there not, like, other magicians there? Is it, like... I mean, to be fair, North Korea does seem like a pretty bad place to live. Well, <laughs> I guess that the... You know, it's... It's a very, like... It's Rick Riordan showing that he is, like... Has a very, very American perspective on, like... Other countries, I guess... This is true. I mean, this also comes across when, like, he commits a crime, and the equivalent of that for, um, the, the, the guy, one guy commits murder, the equivalent of that for one of the other magicians is, uh, caused the Boxing Day tsunami in 2006. Oh, right, right. Which, like, killed thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's a lot, and the other one is just, like, gets sent to the country that we are that is currently one of the like American propaganda, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, pieces of the world. Um, not propaganda, you know what I mean. Uh, At least it wasn't like you got sent to the one in China. That'd be like doubly like. <laughs> God, there's just so much here. Um, I just don't understand this idea. This is like kind of bugging me because I'm like, what is this? What does this exile entail? Like. I don't know. I just can't think about it too hard or I'll go crazy. I feel like you don't have to let them, like, stay in the house of life. You could, like, take their shit off them, curse them so they can't do magic, or, you know, if they cause, like, a natural disaster to kill thousands of people, probably just chuck them in the pit outside the first gnome. I reckon you could justify that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there are, like, thousands and thousands of children corpses down there but like i'm sure they'll (laughs) still have a pretty bad fall (laughs) fuck speaking of which Uh uh-huh we we once again brush over like what the reason is for the lack of novices in the house of life Uh uh-huh like dejadin mentions it he says that they're getting fewer and fewer initiates but again we just kind of brush over why which i don't know is it is this, like, intrigue being built up for a twist about, like, oh, Apophis has been, like, eating children or something? I really don't think it's, like, that deep. Like, I just think it's, like, oh, Egyptian magic is growing more and more obscure by the year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't think it's going to be a big thing. If, if if it is, then I'll eat my hat, I guess. <laughs> I don't own a hat, but I'll buy it. Actually, I do own a hat. I got a nice hat for Christmas. Oh, shit, what kind of hat? So- uh, it's like a really nice like it's like big it's like big and long but also you can like fold it up Ooh. um it looks kind of goofy but it's like fun and warm and yeah. like knit i think uh it's it's very nice um my 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 girlfriend's uncle's girlfriend got it for me which was a very surprising thing <laughs> uh but very kind uh, so I guess I'll eat that hat if I'm proven wrong. I'm really looking for an opportunity to eat my hat, to be honest. About what? I need to get rid of it. Oh, wait, what's 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 the deal with your hat? The, the hat is, um, I, I bought it um, in Edinburgh in 2019, and it's this okay. really cute, like, cow hat. Yeah. Like a big, fluffy, like, highland cow uh, with like uh, like horns on it and like big eyes, it's very cute. And I have not Adorable. worn it since um, uh, about around this time last year, actually, because I fucking walked into a supermarket and the woman at the checkout said that I looked like the bloke from the January Six riots because the hat has the fucking horns on it. <laughs> oh God, I remember you saying that to me. That's so fucked up. <laughs> That's so fucked up. Why would someone say that to you? I would rather someone had said it instead of people just thinking at me continuing to wear the hat, to be fair. I guess that's true. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you, it's like that rule of like, if you see someone with something wrong and they, and they can fix it in like a few seconds, then tell them if they, if they, if they would have to get out of their way to fix it, then don't tell them, uh, you, they, that's terrible. Jade, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, the equivalent would be, like, telling me my fly's undone or something. 
Why do we have to live in a world where horrible where horrible fascists make it so you can't wear cute cow hats? It's it's truly terrible. I wish we'd gotten more Dejaden in this book. No, but we are. We are. Like this is this is where I disagree with or maybe I don't disagree with you, but I think like especially the end of this chapter feels like it's building up towards a big thing with Dejaden coming up. No, this is this is what I mean. This is like this is what I've been wanting for the entire book and I'm just sad that we didn't get more of it. That's fair. I guess, like, oh, we had to have him kind of cowed throughout the book to, like... Doing his fucking Theoden and Wormtongue routine with Menchikov. Uh-huh. Also, sorry for using the phrase cowed. I don't. I was like, <laughs> why was that specific word in my brain? I never say that, and then I understood. Uh, I mean, one of the uh, villains in this series was literally beaten by being cowed. <laughs> That's really true. I'm, <laughs> I want Sekhmet to come back. Not Sekhmet. Uh, uh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, Lion Lady? I think it is Sekhmet. Isn't Sekhmet the Scorpion? Oh, wait, you might be right. Oh, it is Sekhmet. Wait, it who is Sekhmet, the... yeah. Wait, okay, we definitely called Sekhmet the Scorpion Goddess. Who was the Scorpion Goddess? Fuck. <laughs> okay, issuing a correction, the Scorpion Goddess is... Uh, the Scorpion Goddess is a figure found in several cultures... Uh, circuit. Circuit. How did we forget Circuit? We're fucking reading Homestuck right now. <laughs> God. I guess she wasn't in the fucking S Cascade very much, so we just f- had the opportunity to forget about her. This is true. Uh, check out our, our Patreon for our bonus show, Nectar of the Pods, where we fucking talk about Homestuck, and I mostly yell about it, and Jacqueline tells me to stop yelling about it. Hey, sometimes I yell about it too, and you tell me to keep yelling about it. This is true. <laughs> Uh, we watched we watched Cascade. Uh, so if you want to know about us watching Cascade, subscribe at the three dollar level. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I'm 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 definitely like like maybe Dejaden had to be like for this to be an effective whatever is going to happen. Maybe he had to be like this the whole book. Especially like it is a big contrast with how he was in the first one, but you're right that I think he could be a much more interesting villain than he is. Yeah, I just, we, we get, in this chat, we get so many flashes of, like, Dejaden as maybe, like, a villain who respects the Canes, but, like, opposes them on ideological grounds. Like, I don't uh-huh. know, that's, that's not really, like, a villain archetype you get a lot of, especially in these kinds of books. So I just, I, I want that to be explored a bit, because we can still have the a villain whose motivation is just, as Horace puts it, he's insane for Menshikov. It's ah. Yeah, I mean, let's let's hope for book three, I guess. Maybe that'll be what it's like then. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Hey, Carter gets Pokemon pajamas. Yeah, that's that's a cute moment. Uh, that's very funny. Carter, Carter wakes up from his like his dreaming and he's he's like oh god the girl I like is here and they've dressed me in Pikachu pants it's very specifically like he's he wakes up he finds out that she's like getting along with Sadie now and Sadie has been talking shit about him and he's like oh god this is a nightmare then he gets up and realizes he's wearing Pokemon pajamas uh huh, and then he's like, and then Walt's like, I tried to stick up for you, man, and Bess does like a perfect imitation of his voice, being like, "Get him the Pikachu shirt." <laughs> I don't, Which is, was, it's, was Walt trying to fuck him over? Because he was like, "Get the extra large ones with the Pikachu shirt," and like, I don't know, the extra large pajamas are always better. I guess that's true. Yeah, Walt, Walt was standing up for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, this chapter is really good. Yeah, it's it's. It's mostly like plot uh, laying out what the plot's going to be for the next few chapters, but it's like it's wrapped really well into this through line of like Bez, Walt, Zia, and Sadie fucking gambling over a pair of broken sunglasses, which is very fun. God, yeah. But yeah, like I said earlier, the, the, this chapter is just like delightful, the kind of stuff that I really want from a Rick Riordan book. Absolutely. This chapter also really uh, fucked me up. Uh huh. Because, I don't know, the, the moment where Carter, like, looks out the window of the hotel room and can just see the pyramids of Giza, it did put into perspective for me, like, okay, there are, there are like, some people who will just be able to look out of the window and see, like, that really cool old thing. Yeah. Which made me think, like, what's the oldest structure I've ever seen? And I thought about it a bit, and I think it's probably Hadrian's Wall. What's that? Uh, it's 
that like the the remains of a Roman fortification that was built to like basically divide England, which they had conquered, and Scotland, which they couldn't be bothered conquering. Okay. Uh, Hadrian's Wall is going on two thousand years old. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's very cool that like so much of it is still there. Uh, and I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, that probably even stacks up to the pyramids. Uh, then I looked up how old the pyramids are, and the pyramids <laughs> are four thousand five hundred years old. Yeah. So the pyramids were older when Hadrian's Wall was being built than Hadrian's Wall is today. Yeah. Which, fucking hell. The pyramids have been around fucking forever. Uh, also, fun fact uh, that I found out while I was Googling all this and having an existential crisis about, like, time. Yeah. Uh, which is apparently the uh, Roman Emperor Hadrian uh, uh, reorganized some of the Egyptian gnomes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Fucked up and interesting. Very fucked up. Also, just kind of one of those things that melts my brain thinking about, like, Jesus Christ, the scale of the Roman Empire that, like, the same dude was, like, fucking with stuff in Egypt that this book is based on and also built a fortification basically in my backyard. God, yeah. So, yeah, that, uh, that's a little a- Wikipedia trip I went on uh, because of, like, <laughs> that one inconsequential line. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Carter also says here, like, he's like, oh, my country is, like, what, like, tw- like, the, like, Egypt as a whole is, like, 20 times older than the United States, uh, which is, Very like... fucked up. Yeah, I mean, good, it should be. Uh, <laughs> that's not impressive, there's a fucking castle near my house that's older than the United States. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> God, God... The United States should burn to the fucking ground. It's true. <sighs> the Minecraft parody, etc. I can say it real. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay if I say it. It's true. I also, on that note, um, Carter being very jaded about the pyramids when he gets them just yeah. kind of had me in the like, shut the fuck up, Carter. <laughs> yeah he's like oh i mean okay he's not like jaded about them but he is jaded about like the environment of going to see them which i do think i can understand right like like oh you don't want to i think that it sucks sometimes going to see something that is really big and cool but then it's like oh there's a fucking million people there this is true i don't i just I, I will, like, boggle at how cool the crumbling three-foot remains of Hadrian's Wall is in a cold field in Northumberland. I think I will be suitably impressed by the gigantic fucking pyramids that were the tallest structures in the world for several thousand years. That's fair, that's fair. <laughs> like, his point is like, oh, you should just see it from far away where there aren't as many tourists. I'm like, I want to touch it. <laughs> I want to go near the pyramid, Carter. Shut the fuck up. God. Dweeb. Can you touch the pyramids? I don't know, because they mention security. Uh-huh. I, I would have to imagine would... no, right? Because, like, the amount of people who go to see them, it would, like, damage them. I would like to touch it, though. It would be cool to touch the pyramid. But also probably destroying an archaeological relic. That's true. But my desire to touch them. <laughs> Surely this is more important than history and archaeology. You don't want to be like one of those fucking Roman farmers who nicked shit for the walls for their fields from Hadrian's Wall, which is why it's so small now. God. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> can you like step over it? How small is it? It is literally like three feet tall. Like you can climb on top of it and walk to the other side. That's so funny. Just how my fucking Scottish family got into England. <laughs> really? I mean, no. <laughs> Wait, okay, sorry, I don't know why I took that so literally. <laughs> uh, you're Scottish? Uh, yeah. I already knew this. I, I uh, yeah. <laughs> why yeah, I was raised you... in England, so I don't get the cool accent. I get the shy accent. <laughs> That's sad. Jane, what's your best Scottish accent? I feel like I'll get disowned <laughs> if I put that on the public record. Ah, <laughs> oh, God! One day, one day, one day, I'll have you do it. And it'll be private. It'll be private, but people should know that I will hear it at least. 
vast friend zoning buzz. Uh, what do we think of? What do we think of other than like being kind of unimpressive? What do we think of Old Man Ra? Uh, he's, he, he's like a he's like a funny senile old person. It's, yeah, he's just it's, like a senile guy. I I genuinely thought um, when he says like uh oh that's an uh oh because um, he's obviously it's because he's seen the sundial and he's noticed that something's wrong. Yeah. So obviously he's not as like he's not as gone as we think he is. But I, I absolutely one hundred percent thought the joke was gonna be that he'd like shot on Bez's shoulder or something. Oh god, that's so sad. <laughs> I know. Something about something about senile old people is the saddest thing in the world to me. Yeah. But him being like I don't know. You're right that he does still have that like amount of cognizance to like see that there is like a weird silver snake amulet and to be like, Oh no, that's Apophis, that's bad. Yeah. Um so like this is like I don't know, I think that it's easy to be like funny old person, smelly, doesn't understand, says random things. And to be fair, it does make that joke at least twice before Ra comes along. Oh oh definitely. Like there's there's the frog goddess with shout outs. I did I did underline that and think Jacqueline. <laughs> um one day I will have lived for thousands of years and then we'll be put in old, an old folks home. Okay, the sign that says life starts at three thousand was very funny. It's really this is like a good this is this is like prime Rick Riordan shit, right? This is the kind of like cool Rick Riordan setting that I like to read about. It's it's very blatantly like this is just like a Percy Jackson set piece, but with like Egyptian stuff on it. And like, I'm not complaining about that because I much preferred the way that the set pieces played out in Percy Jackson. Yeah, and because you love a uh, hippo woman with huge tits. <laughs> but yeah, this is, it's very like, um, the first thing I thought was like Cersei's Island and Sea of Monsters. And I was initially quite annoyed that I had to think about Sea of Monsters again, but. It's that same thing where it's like taking a mythological setting, updating it with modernism, well not modern, with modern stuff, and the joke is like contrasting that with the grandiose divinity stuff. Oh, definitely. Do you ever think about like how Cersei's Island just like was not in the Sea of Monsters movie? Oh yeah. I mean, to be to be fair, that whole element was kind of filler, so I can see why they cut it. Yeah, that's true. Blackbeard was there, and that was kind of cool. That was cool. Oh god, you have to watch Black Sails. <laughs> everyone I'm demanding that everyone watches Black Sails. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think that's about it. You have any final points before we wrap it up? Uh my la- my final point is that uh there seems to be an emerging through line that Sadie and Carter are both extremely thick. Like just the dumbest motherfuckers. Okay, glad you clarified what you meant. But <laughs> go on. Oh yeah, fuck that reads kind of <laughs> CK with a fucking CK on the end. Anyway, continue your thought. My my thought is A, the thing about neither of them thinking to turn around and confront Magikov. Uh-huh. B, the portal thing from like earlier in the book where they like forgot how portals work and had to have Bez re-explain it to them like it was a new concept. Uh-huh. C, Sadie, while in the fucking duart, looks over her shoulder on the boat and is like sees something like possibly coming after them. And I was like, nah, that's probably just a figment of my imagination. <laughs> I'm like, Sadie, that would be stupid enough at the best of times. But you are fucking in a magical realm that specifically reacts to your thoughts. You cannot dismiss something as just your imagination. At least tap Carter's shoulder and ask him if he can see it too. God, no, she's too busy making jokes about how Carter's wearing a skirt. Huh. <laughs> Although Carter is also extremely stupid in this scene because he seems to think that, like, the process of asking someone a question is, like, a quick time event. Uh-huh. But, like, at the top of the pyramid, just before they go into the duart, Sadie says something to Walt, and he's like, I will. And Carter's like, I was going to ask her about that, but then we jumped into the duart, and then I didn't. <laughs> Even though they have, like, an hour of downtime after that, during at which uh-huh. any point he could have been like, Sadie, what did you say to him? And even if Sadie just, like, tells him to fuck off, that's fine. It's just weird that he's, like, if I don't ask immediately, I'm not allowed to ask ever. Carter does not know how to interact with other human beings. This is this is more and more true <laughs> every chapter. This, this No, this is true. I'm just pointing... I'm simply pointing out that they both seem to be idiots. 
You're right. You're very <laughs> correct. God. The one thing that is like clear and clear every single chapter is the 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 Kane the Kane the Kane siblings are not brain geniuses. They are not particularly bright. I think that does it for us today. Yeah, I think so. If you'd like to reach the show, you can check us out on twitter.com slash unwisegirls. We've got links to all of our stuff, our Discord server you can join, our Patreon, our own personal Twitters. If you want to support us, you can drop a five-star rating, a review. Uh, you can tell people about us. That one really helps. Yeah. You can tweet funny things like uh, like this tweet from Strawberry Mouse that says, <laughs> if you follow, if you, fo- if you subscribe to Unwise Girls on Patreon, Bast will give you tornado sloppy. <laughs> We can neither confirm nor deny whether that's true, but the sentiment is appreciated. That's right. Um, and speaking of Patreon, for patreon.com slash unwisegirls, $1 a month, you get the role of Whittle Doe Being. Uh, you will be our Shabti, and you will have a special Discord role. Uh, for $3 a month, you and, uh, and you'll get our appreciation for uh, helping us out. For $3 a month, you get access to all of our bonus content with the Big Ba Energy Roll. Uh, we talk about various things on our bonus podcast. Uh, yeah, we mostly yell about Homestuck. Uh, last episode, we talked about how um, my brain is being hacked by XCOM, by like the percentages fucking with me. Uh, yep, and Jane decided to get into Fire Emblem. <laughs> next time on... I don't know what'll happen next time. We're probably going to like watch more silly like i don't know gods of egypt or something like that probably oh fuck we should watch gods of egypt we watched a good movie about egypt but now we need to watch a bad one that's right we watched prince of egypt recently too uh and for five dollars a month you get the bast headbat pass roll uh use it wisely use it it carefully (laughs) yeah he, he really does he's he's like oh she always thought of me as a little brother which is like classic like that's so fucking funny god uh, do not ask her for Tornado Sloppy unless she offers. Uh, <laughs> you you also get all of her bonus content and a thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... I bit my fucking tongue. Episode. <laughs> Ow, I bit my fucking tongue. Uh... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Uh, <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>